Welcome into the Garage Talk podcast, the second episode that is not in my garage, but I think it's going to be a while before I have another guest over to the house to do another Garage Talk podcast actually in the garage. But this one kind of came about quickly as I saw a friend of mine posted about Brad Converse. Brad has a business here in Grants Pass, but right now being uh, involved in something much bigger than himself right now. Brad, first of all, welcome onto the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, it's an honor. Yeah, we briefly chatted via text message and then a quick phone call and you said, yeah, let's do this. Let's get the information out there. It's very important to let people know what's going on right now with the whole COVID-19 and or coronavirus. And, uh, you know, your normal day job, you have a pretty cool company that you manufacture putters. That's actually how I learned about you. Uh, old coworker of mine, Matt Crump, had introduced us oh, to, yeah. to your product and you had donated a, a putter for our St. Jude Golf Tournament at Q100.3. So, you know, I've definitely right. heard about you. We have a lot of mutual friends and that's that's where I saw this story pop up this morning. And, and I hadn't seen all the other stuff that you guys have been doing so far. So first of all, get people up to speed on what you're involved in right now, what this thing's called and how this all came about. Yeah, this is called COVID Skunk Works. So what this is, is on Sunday, I, I mean, any person who has any sort of mathematical background saw this coming. We saw this weeks ago as soon as we hit logarithm, logarithmic growth of the death rate, not the testing, the logarithmic growth of the death rate. We saw this is really bad. And so spent a couple of weeks just arguing on Facebook, showing that this was going to be bad. But then once everybody else finally saw the math that, yeah, this is bad, I didn't need to do it anymore. And so I started going to the hospital and saying, you're going to need help. How can we help? So I sent an email to one of the nurses and she forwarded it on, you know, asking how can we help with ventilators and making different parts. Uh, within two hours, we got an email from one of the directors of a supply chain for a local hospital system. And he said, yeah, we could use some help. So within, because, you know, we have a lot of mutual friends, I just know a lot of people. Um, I started calling my phone tree and asking them to call their friends. And within less than 24 hours on 4.30 on Monday afternoon, we had uh, a, 30, a group of 35 local experts talking about the problem and then organizing. So we didn't start solving problems then. We just organized really efficiently using you know, Slack software and different things. And then we just started running as fast as possible. Now, when you talk about running as fast as possible, what are you trying to accomplish? Because I know that when I was doing a little creeping on your Facebook page, I saw face shields. I saw some type of manifold, some type of prototype that you guys are working on. What all is going on here? So the big problem is that the number of people that are going to be very ill from this disease, it's staggering. It is incalculable <laughs> like it's i mean the problem is it is cal- like you can actually calculate the numbers um you know exactly how many people are going to get messed up with this because the logarithmic curve is so steady and so our hospitals just cannot handle that load a couple things going here so a lot of the protective equipment was actually manufactured in wuhan china and so when they went down they stopped producing that it was like 50 percent of a lot of you know 95 masks and different things were produced right there and so when they got hit really hard their supply chain just got cut off and then once their supply chain got cut off demand, you know, just went up exponentially. And so you just had multiple things just screwing the world, essentially. And, uh, and so the problem overall for hospitals is that they just simply do not have enough of uh, the personal protective equipment, the PPE, to keep their doctors and nurses safe. And then they also don't have enough uh, certain other things, especially ventilators. These people who are severely um, affected by this virus, they must be put on a ventilator to have any chance of survival. And so when you when a ventilator costs $20,000 and a hospital only has a limited number of them and it takes a long time to make them and to get them ramped up and they're very technical, uh, any way that you can make that ventilator work for as many people as possible, that, you know, 
whatever number you have, it multiplies it by five or more, or, you know, right now we're between four and six and there's certain people trying to do 10 with different machines. Each machine's got, you know, different capabilities, but we're just looking for how can we make sure that our hospital system has everything they could possibly need or want to do the best job possible and to keep them as safe as possible. So how many people do you think you can take care of on one machine? I saw something about six. Is that something that is going to be possible, you think? I know it's a prototype right now, but is it is we're working, an experiment? What is it right now? I mean, we're working directly with respiratory therapists and you know the, the people that will actually be implementing this. Um, and we're running tests at the hospital right now. Actually, we ran tests yesterday that were very successful. Uh, there's a few more parts we need to make related to valves. And we're working, we have um, student teams around the valley working on solutions for 3D printed valves and, and different ways to do that. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, there's research, there's peer-reviewed journals showing you know, back in 20, 2014 saying, hey, you can do this should you need to do it. Um, they did that for four. And then between four, six, and 10 is kind of, we're creating a manifold that would turn one into six. And then depending on needs, you can adjust to each person using a valve system. So yeah, I mean, we, the the people on this team are literally the best and brightest of the entire world. Um, we just have such a ridiculous number of people right here uh, in Southern Oregon. I mean, the, the amount of manufacturing here where we'd make ridiculously cool things that no one knows about who is just, you know, driving down Main Street looking at antiques. Uh, the best and brightest of the world to solve these problems are right here in Southern Oregon. So can you talk about who some of those people are and who some of the companies nope. are? Nope. Um, so the reason for that is uh, there's been a couple of different articles about suing people for doing stuff like this. And so if someone wants to be like that whole group is in, nobody knows who's in it. I know who it is. No, like, and everyone in the group knows who's in it, but the media doesn't know. No one knows. Um, if they're looking for someone to scapegoat and sue with me. It's incredible. Once this so is successful, people... once this is successful and it's worked and all the lawyers are, you know, I've been taken care of. We'll have a parade down main street, thanking everybody on. I'm again, I'm not trying to take credit for this at all. Like I've just organized a little bit. And now the experts, I mean, as we're going, we're, I'm getting Slack messages nonstop from these experts who are just running it. One name I can say is Ali French at talent maker city. So she is, She's also kind of taken some of the brunt of this, but also um, her organization is in charge of the local effort to print things for our local hospital, and they're doing a fantastic job. So that's another one. But then when it comes to, I mean, on one hand, it's every single high-end manufacturing facility in the Rogue Valley is involved. And at the same time, I'm not telling you who they are, because if you say, oh, is it this one? No. Well, I can imagine, I know of a handful of those manufacturing companies that are out there. I'm not going to mention them. I think it's important that you protect the privacy and, and the situation going on. I think that, you know, obviously it started to make it out into the news media a bit and for good reason, right? It's it's to accomplish the mission because the more people that get on board with what you're doing, the better chance you have to find solutions. And I'm not sure how all of these people found you originally or how you pulled that all off, but it's impressive to see them. the people coming together. I know this is completely different probably than the ladies out there sewing masks, but what I love about it is there's so it's many not, talented people out they're there. They're on our team. They're, they are. They are. Yep. We have a single person who is in charge of that effort. She's running a Facebook page. And no, I mean, again, everything that is currently happening in this area is coordinated under this one umbrella. Is it safe to say that the focus right now then is the face shields and um, the ventilators? And the masks, no. or is it deeper? How deep does this get? Um, this is a group of problem solvers that will solve every problem from around the world, so to speak. So um, again, our, our hyper-focus initially was the local hospital system. 
But what we're really creating right now, and we have technical writers working up, is how does Portland do this? How does Redmond do this? How does Eugene do this? How does Italy do this? How does Bermuda do this? How does Australia? So we are creating the documents. We have the website being built right now where everything we've learned and everything we're doing is getting compiled into technical documents that anybody can pick up. There's instructions for how to create your own team, not a team to solve problems. We're the team to actually solve the problems. But once we have the solutions and push them, all you need to do is have, you know, a, a, you know there's instructions for the point of contacts you need, the, the number of people, how to coordinate distribution, how to you know, do pickups and deliveries, all that. We're providing that information just open source to the entire world so that everything we've learned here and you know, the fact that we already have 3D printed masks going to our hospital, that information is incredibly viral. And so that's why you know, we're kind of doing this media push is the more people going to, which is just about up, it'll be covidskunkworks.com and getting this information for their own city and their own needs, the better. How soon do you think that's going to be up and live for people to see? Minutes, hours, probably by the time this podcast is up, it'll be up. Wow. It's already, we already have a bitly for it, but yeah, it's, uh, again, the people in this valley doing this, like all I do pretty much all day is just make sure stuff is happening. And as soon as we find a hole, I say, hey, you're the expert, do it. And they just do it and they do it perfectly every time. And then as soon as I've said that, they take it over entirely. And I mean, there's reporting up the chain to the team leads once a day. But other than that, I mean, again, I'm just, I'm getting pinged nonstop by all these people talking. I'm not part of it at all now because I just helped organize it. And then the experts are doing their thing. Did you ever imagine you'd see people come together like this to work on one mission and come out of the woodwork? Uh, yes and no. So started a company. It wasn't really even a company. It was just, again, a group like, like we're not a company like COVID skunk works. There's no LLC for that or anything. Uh, but we worked on a group called Idea Distillery several years ago, where it was very similar in terms of how do you organize the team? How do you come up with solutions to problems? We were kind of focused on the business aspect, but I I had created that myself as well. Again, it wasn't me doing all the great stuff. It was just I created that group. Um, and so I had experience doing that aspect of it. Um, I had, you know, starting my business, I got the idea for it on Black Friday of 2016, Saturday built website, Sunday designs, Monday putter one, Tuesday putter two. Wednesday shafted him, Thursday had him on the course. And within two months, uh, golf.com said we were the coolest show at the PGA show, which is the biggest trade show of the year. So um, my particular set of skills is in starting things that are hyper-organized in ludicrous speeds. So again, I'm not the expert that knows how to do all the actual real work. I just know how to organize the team um, in, again, ludicrous speed. I know you don't want to make this all about you, but I'm curious where that comes from. What kind of experiences do you have? Uh, because this podcast um, is for a couple of different reasons, but one is to talk about, you know, average everyday people doing extraordinary things. My mind is having a hard time just keeping up with you right this second. Uh, sure. Wh- where does the, the motivation, mean, inspiration all come from? I Good parenting, you know, my Dan and Ruth Connors, they did a, a good job of uh, putting some good values into me, making sure I did schooling right. And you know, I graduated valedictorian of North Valley High School. So again, right here in the Valley off the Oregon State Honors College from a mechanical engineering degree, got my entrepreneurship minor, uh, worked at a company where, you know, among other things, I worked directly under a guy with a PhD from MIT in material science. And we worked on designing military equipment to survive nuclear blasts, uh, did a lot of R&D. Did, I mean, I, I, I program in seven plus different languages. Um, I, I know every engineering terminology pretty much out there. Again, I'm a uh, I'm a, I'm a MacGyver. People called me MacGyver before, long before, again, I hate tooting my own horn. So please don't take this the wrong way. I'm just explaining. Um, but I, these are things I just love to do. And I just, um, I, I love learning new things. So I will just completely dive headfirst into something to learn it. As soon as I've learned it, 
for some reason, the Lord has allowed my brain just to hold stuff as long as possible. And so I don't have to like, as soon as I need to pick it back up again, I can just go pick it back up again. Um, you know, in college, when we had a, a big test, I would just, you know, study for a couple hours and then largely photographic memory. So I would be able to just, uh, worst, okay, worst story ever, uh, related to this. We had a, in high school, we had a test that I didn't remember. I didn't know about. And so, um, I get, I sit down next to one of my friends and she says, Hey, you ready for the, the big test? I'm like, what big test? And she's like, you, we're going over like all of chapters 12, 13, 14, like one second. And I flip through the pages, you know, as the teacher is literally passing out the notes for it, I flip through the pages. And then the next day when the stuff comes back, you know, she studied for days for this thing and she got like a B plus and I got like a 97. So again, hate tuning my own horn, but, um, education and that sort of thing has always been relatively easy. And then because I own a business in downtown Grants Pass, Everybody knows me. I know everybody. I've been very local on Facebook for a while saying this is coming. I've tried to be a relatively trusted source. And so, again, the Lord's just put me in a lot of situations that have kind of led me to be able to uh, tackle this problem and find the experts to actually create the real solution. You know, what's exciting to me is I was talking to someone recently about, you know, one of our many trips to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. I know you're kind of familiar with some of our efforts there. And, and like I said, you donated the putter to our golf tournament. But I was telling someone not too long ago that when I came back from there and they said, oh, how was the trip? I said, you know, the thing I love about St. Jude is that when you go back there, you see the work they're doing. Money isn't an issue, right? Because people give their hard-earned mm-hmm. money. It's all privately funded. So it's it's all of these people working towards the same mission to accomplish one goal. And I, I said to this person that you don't just get to see that very often because of the world no. we live in. And this right now, what we're talking about, what you're a part of is the closest thing I've seen to that is all of these people, all these experts coming together to try and accomplish the same mission that's come up with the parts, the materials, the brain power to make this happen, to take care of as many people as possible. And it's incredible to see what you guys are doing. It's it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's truly, you know, as uh, I, I bawled my eyes out a week ago, seeing the trajectory this was on, I, I knew it was coming. And I got my tears out of the way and I've done more fist pumping and been more excited and laughed more in the past handful of days than I have in a long time. The people that are involved in this are nothing short of true heroes. They're just amazing, amazing individuals. We can do incredible things if we put our minds together because a lot of that stuff that you're good at, I am horrible with that stuff. Not good at tests. School wasn't my thing. Uh, I do have the ability to communicate just a little bit, which is why I'm here to help you get the message out there. And I'm happy to do so in any way we can possibly do that. It's just, um, you know, a lot of that stuff is just mind boggling to me. But again, you take these little pieces and little parts of the community, you put them all together. And uh, this is the good. This is the good that's coming out of this. A lot of people are focused on the negative. It's hard not to with uh, the TV and everything. Right. Even on our radio show, we finally asked our listeners, like, what do you want? What do you want? And what do you need from us? Because for a week, just over a week, it was nothing but coronavirus. Here's the numbers. Here's the updates. But at some point, it's, yeah, we need to know about that stuff. But also, what what do they need us here for? And they need us for a release. They need some laughter. Like you said, they need the right. fist bump. They need to laugh. They need to cry. They need a virtual hug, whatever that is, you know, that's our job, but uh, they need that one caveat. They need that as long as they are, have been properly afraid already. And I know that sounds like, you know, fear mongering or whatever. If you are just blissfully unaware of what is actually happening, then that is very dangerous right now. Mm -hmm. You have to be hyper aware of how dangerous this virus is. And I was, again, I, I have balled my eyes out. I am hyper aware 
of what has happened around the world. But I don't have to watch the news anymore because when people say the number hit this, I'm like, yeah, of course it hit that. It's a logarithmic slope. Like I already know that. Um, and so once you have accepted that this is a very dangerous and terrifying virus, you can look at the problem right in the eye and you can attack it. If you just pretend it's not there, it's, that doesn't make it go away at all. You have to attack this problem completely head on. The really, the great thing is on this entire group, there's not, no one's talking politics. There's zero politics here. It's not, we don't, you know, there's no channel saying, where did this come from? Oh, China did this. Oh, the government did that. Like, we don't care. Like they've all messed up. They've, they've failed. The politicians have failed us. We are, there's not one politician in this group. Um, as you know, you, you heard it here first and I've said it on my story. If any politician, uh, any politician tries to take credit for what COVID skunk works did, screw them right up the bunghole. Mm-hmm. You know, it's important what you're saying, because I can't tell you how many times I've turned on the TV, which I'm not doing as much now, but at the beginning of, well, let's just back up a week, let's say, and I've been home. So what's, we're talking on Thursday morning. This is almost two weeks for me. I got done with jury duty uh, two weeks ago tomorrow, and I came home from jury duty, and I haven't gone back to work since because my wife is due in about a week and a half with a baby, which is scary enough in itself, let alone the coronavirus. But exciting too. Right? Right. Um, and especially being someone who's high risk. She's had four children before, right. and people say, oh, home delivery. Now, I do have a kit. Should that have to happen? My grandma went to the ambulance. <laughs> she... Worked on the ambulance for 40 years. I have the kit. I have blankets. I have scissors. If, if push comes to shove, we're getting it on. And I don't want that to happen. But you no, know, we decided to go into to lockdown here because of the danger, right? You have someone who's high risk anyway, pregnancy. You have someone with a vulnerable immune system. And so we we, we shut it down, you know. And But I've been able Good. to uh, – luckily, I had the equipment to make my thing work from here. And Shoot, now I've rambled about that so long I forgot the point I was going with here. But, oh, politicians, that's what it was. So back up a week ago, and every time they came on television, it was, well, whatever amount of money that Trump's going to give is not enough. And that just red flag, huge. Like, you don't even know what the number is, and you're already complaining that it's not enough money, and I don't want to make this about politics, but but where that comes into play yeah, is like no, I mean, said, I, I can talk about politics a little bit. Um, I mean, again, I've looked into this a ton. I literally have politicians like calling me right now. I mean, you know, I won't to name who, but like, yeah, we have politicians trying to get involved. Um, I'm telling them what they need to do based on what the experts are guiding. And so we're trying to really get that again. I was screaming on Facebook for two weeks saying, do these things lock down. Um, they're, I mean, what I would love to see happen is a true, like a, a hyper lockdown, like none, like none of these essential business things that really aren't that essential. Like we need food, we need healthcare. Beyond that, you better have a real good reason. You know, a plumber make, needs to make a house call for a, uh, a toilet. Sure. Like do that, but take really, really careful precautions. But I'm seeing people walk by right now that should not be walking by. Like I'm, you know, I literally am sitting on sixth street watching the world go by. These people should not be out here. They should be getting questioned by why are you here? Go home. The, the more tightly we shut this down, the, the shorter it needs to happen. The incubation period for this virus is around 14 days. If we actually did a true lockdown for roughly 14 days, we could start slowly getting back to normalcy. If we do a fake lockdown, it'll be months. Like It doesn't make sense. So what we really should be doing, like what I would love to see happen, is shut everything down, um, have very, and we're working on these practices right now in this group, is have very safe, clean practices for getting the food you need. If you need food and can't afford it, with the government has $2 trillion for this problem, I think they can afford to pay for just some food. So we cover that. And then honestly, 
The economy just goes on pause. Trump trying to keep talking about the economy, having this stupid stock ticker going all the time saying, oh, it's going up, it's going down. Stop the economy. The economy can wait for a month. If you say, oh, but I have bills to pay. What should happen is, no, you don't. Nobody pays anything. The government just makes sure everyone stays alive. We skip a month. Like America takes a month truly off. And so you don't like, yes, you need to get your, like, you need to get your rent so that you can pay your mortgage. No, you don't. Everything stops. You don't pay a mortgage because they don't, they're not allowed to take the money. No money changes hands for like a month because we just make sure people are fed. They stay in their homes. April gets totally written off and we slow the spread of this virus as the experts handle the problem. The big problem is Trump keeps talking about the economy. Trump, I mean, again, not getting too political. A lot of politicians just aren't taking this seriously enough and still talking about the economy when that will lead. Again, you look at the logarithmic curve. Everyone's talking about like, how do you assess how bad this thing is? Don't look at cases. That's bad enough, but there's reasons for that. Look at the growth of actual number of deaths per day. So how many people died today? How many people died two days ago? The number of people that died today is usually about double versus the number of people that died two to three days ago. I mean, that works for the total number of deaths. So if you look at the total number of dead people in America right now, the number was about half that just over two days ago. So yes, like you can talk about the spread of a virus in H1N1, yada, yada, how quickly it was spreading, how scary that was, but the deaths were not doing what they're doing. So you, you can't fake death numbers and you can't like talk about, oh, well, you got to release. There's no per capita. Per capita doesn't matter at all when it comes to death rate a or not, not death rate deaths per day if the deaths per day is doubling it will cook through a population of 100 as fast as cooking through a population of a million but once it's cooked through the population of 100 of that subset of a million it's going to keep going and it's going to keep accelerating and it's not going to take a whole lot longer to cook through the million now i'm not saying everybody's going to die that's not what i'm saying at all what i'm saying is that of our vulnerable population and the people who like your wife who you know they're not 85 waiting to die anyways. They're, there's an engineer on this team who is the one who is leading the charge for the, the face shields. And he found out in December that he has autoimmune uh, disorder that is affecting him. And if anyone wants to say, oh, well, it's only the week. Well, this guy who did this face shield to protect these hospital people who is young, he's got this disease that makes him high risk for this. Why, why should he die? Like, screw that noise. That's insane. So yeah, there's, I, I could talk to politicians for hours. I try to, I've been on the phone with commissioners locally. They're doing their best, but it's the ones higher up that have just been screwing the pooch on this so bad. And so again, we stopped arguing that like on Sunday, I stopped doing a lot of those arguments and we are focused on solutions because the cat is completely out of the bag. Um, if we had done proper testing initially so that we knew exactly who had it and we could isolate them, we could dramatically slow the spread like Singapore did. But since we don't do that, what really needs to happen now is there needs to be, and we're working on the message, we're working on getting everyone to do it. Make your own uh, face mask, you know, out of fabric and wear it wherever you go. If you have to leave your house, you should be wearing the face mask. Okay. So if you're going to be in, in public at all, just wear a face and it does not protect you from getting the virus. But should you be an asymptomatic spreader or you got it, you just don't know it yet because it has a long incubation time, then it protects you. It prevents you from spreading it so much. Right now, I'm covering my computer screen and fit. Okay. Because I'm inside, you know, it's, it's fine. I don't have to wear a mask and I sanitize everything all the time. But if you are at the grocery store talking to somebody, you may not realize it, but even without coughing, you're spitting on them. Like, you know, if you've seen, like you're talking to someone and the sun's at the right angle, you see spit just flying out of your mouth. If you are shedding the virus, that contains the virus. 
So if you wear a mask, that just prevents you from spreading it as quickly. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I've seen people around wearing them, and it's important. I know a lot of ladies uh, and even some guys. Not just for the sick people. Are out there making them. So it's, uh, you know, we had someone reach out to us on our Facebook page yesterday. My wife started making these masks. Should I keep making them? Absolutely. There is a shortage. So even if they're not going to the hospital, they're going to all these other people in nursing homes. And even like you said, even yourself, when you're going to be out and about doing whatever it is you're doing, hopefully not as many times as you'd normally go out and about because that's the thing. People continue right. to keep going home as out. much as possible. Limit the trips out in public. Like if you need to go to the grocery there's store, old, go once for two weeks. There's people that are probably 70. They're walking downtown just holding hands, having a gay old time. I, I just, I mean, I have a sign literally in my front that says um, social distance, or wash your hands, social distancing, don't get the virus, don't give the virus. That's been in my window for a week plus now. Um, and, and again, that is why people that are concerned about fear mongering and scare tactics, people are not afraid enough. They do not realize how terrifying this is because we've been relatively isolated so far, but all number. And I mean, the, the piece of hope is the sooner you lock down relative to the number of deaths that your area has, the better. Now, when we talk about an area, it's not Oregon. Oregon is not an area according to the way I like to view a metric. Um, I would say the Rogue Valley is an area. So the Rogue Valley is its own little Italy, right? Portland is its Portland and Vancouver would be its own little Italy. Um, Eugene would be its own little Italy, et cetera, et cetera. So in our area, we have multiple cases, but as far as I know, we don't have a death yet. The harder we lock down in our own area, just because Portland's getting slammed or Washington's getting slammed or wherever, that doesn't have to affect us. Sure, the Oregon numbers might be really bad, but it's, I mean, I would personally love to see uh, you know, police at every, um, at the freeway accident entrance saying, welcome to our town. You may get gas and then leave. That's it. Like if you like, um, you know, have people in relative hazmat suits, which we are making plenty of these. So that shouldn't be a problem to be able to have them in some sort of suit, but you know, just through the window, show your driver's license that you are a resident of this area. Otherwise, if you are not from here, you are allowed to get gas and we are checking your license plate. And if you don't leave one of, you know, the nice thing is we only have so many exits, right? We have like, you know, to get out of here, you've got to go northbound, you got to go southbound, you've got to go Redwood, or you've got to go uh, Williams. Other than that, there's not really many ways out of this area. And so the harder we shut down and truly scare people enough to do the right thing so that then they don't have to be scared anymore because they know they're safe, the better. It's it, too many politicians are worried about panic, like them confusing everybody and things keeping getting worse as they say they've got things under control. That makes you think, boy, they really don't have this under control. And these numbers keep getting worse. And you said it was only 200 a couple of days ago, but why is it 400 now? And you said it was only 400, but why is it 800 now? You said it was only 800. A couple, why is it? That starts really scaring people when they don't. I mean, it, this isn't simple math. This isn't like everybody, sh- everybody should know this. It should be taught in 10th grade. Viral math should be a thing, but logarithmic slope, that slope tells you how frequently does a number double. And so right now we have a very steady logarithmic slope. And so you can, and it, the thing about a logarithmic slope is it can accelerate upward very quickly related to viruses because you aren't getting a handle on it. It cannot drop quickly. It takes a, there's a, a very set rule, especially when you have a two week forcing function, there's a very set rule related to how um, heavily you're handling this, how slowly that can taper off. People say there's a lot of people on Facebook that, you know, past or past results are not indicative of future um, results. And that's just totally false. 
with logarithmic functions related to viruses. You look all around the world at everybody else that's having these deaths and every single thing, a lot of them will spike up quite a bit, but they take a long time and the curve as they pull off is pretty much the same across the board. Don't look at per capita. Per capita is stupid. It doesn't make any sense. That's like going to your financial advisor and being like, hey, I'd like to make this investment. And they're like, well, let me check how much money is in the world first, and then we'll decide whether we can do this 8% investment. That, that's, the, that's the level of foolishness looking by per capita does. It just blinds you depending. So for example, let's say you've got a virus that is killing 10% of your population. That's not this one. I'm just saying, let's just for example's sake. Virus kills 10% of a population. If you have a population of 100 people, that virus is going to kill 10 people, right? If you have a population of a million people, that virus is going to kill 100,000 people. Now, the virus is going to spread at roughly the same rate. And so there will be a point at which the 100 people, there's 10 dead. And there'll be a point at which the million people, there's also 10 dead. Now, in the 100 people, you've reached your 10%, you're maxed out. In the million people, at 10%, that is entirely statistically insignificant, right? But you would have already noticed the logarithmic slope of both of those death rates will be exactly the same. And a larger population just means more people to cook through. Do you think one of the biggest issues is not pausing and stopping the economy? Because I feel like that's what I'm seeing. As you're yeah. talking about people coming into town, getting gassed and getting the heck out of town, I totally understand what you're saying there. But I feel like, and being a guy who deals with businesses every single day and my real job with advertising and sales is helping businesses grow. And what we're seeing right. is... You talked about essential businesses. Everyone can justify themselves as essential at some point, or they at least can say it over and over until they feel like they are. And so they're just trying to protect their livelihood. So they're going to keep going and trying to keep sell, sell, selling because they want to be able to survive. And without pausing the economy, they're going to feel that hit. 100%. Again, I'm not blaming business owners because they have just terrible guidance from the government. And the government, that's where they need to really step in and say, look, everybody, we've got you. We're not going to pay every bill possible. We're just going to take April off. Okay. April is no longer happening according to the bill pattern. Um, if you have money to pay for food, please do so. If you don't have money to pay for food, we'll make sure that every grocery store, um, you know, has the, you know, we'll fund the grocery stores essentially making sure you're not, not making any fat profits for anybody, but we'll fund the grocery stores to make that Edna who is, you know, social security. And, you know, she had to spend some extra money on this or that taken care of. And as far as healthcare goes, everybody we need, I mean, the, the big failing of America was that testing did not happen uh, soon enough. And there's a million reasons for that. I'm not blaming anybody, but testing did not happen soon enough. And it's still my, my uh, grandma, she, um, she just got test results back today from a, a week ago. And they say she doesn't have it. She has all the symptoms. We hope it's actually true, but with all the false, false positives and how long it took to get to know that. And the fact that Oregon is not reporting how many, uh, COVID patients they have in their hospital have a really hard time trusting any of the data coming from the government. So yeah, I mean, it's a mess. It's um, we we need to lock things down very hard, very securely, and protect the people so that they can make the best decisions for public, uh, for public health. One of the worst messages that I've been hearing is how it's really not that dangerous for you. And yes and no. So as America is a hyper individualistic nation, right? And so as an individual, you personally have a very low chance of dying from this. And honestly, even your wife, even though the numbers are higher, her personally has a very low chance of dying from this. But if 1%, like if you had a 1% chance of winning a million dollars, you're probably not going to win the million dollars, right? But if 1% of America ends up dying from this, that's 3 million people, 3 million people plus. So 
it's what's hard is you know from a public health standpoint this is really important that we stop this thing but from an individual standpoint you can totally you know say you can let people know like no look it's not like 50% of people are dying it's not a, it's not a coin flip like there's a lot of things you can do to protect yourself and make sure you just don't get the virus uh, because we will have herd immunity eventually but if we spike this curve and the hospitals run out of room and don't have the equipment that's again um, I guess explaining why they need this equipment, you talked about flattening the curve, right? The area under the curve is pretty much the same, whether you have it spiked or spread out. So the same number of people are probably going to need resources, but it's the overloading of the hospital that will make the logarithmic slope even steeper and make deaths even worse. So we're making sure the hospitals are fully supplied for this steepening right now, which is just absolutely taking off as every mathematician saw was going to happen. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's a crazy situation that every intelligent person who has any sort of background in math saw coming weeks ago should have been shut down a long time ago. Politicians have failed us left and right. And so our group of COVID skunk works is doing what we can to ensure that hospitals have the supplies they need to handle the surge. If people think they can help, where should they reach out? Who should they reach out to? Sure. So covidskunkworks.com is going to be the best location. And then if you want to offer help, um, all inquiries are going through covidskunkworks at gmail.com. C-O-V-I-D-S-K-U-N-K-W-O-R-K-S. What else did we not touch on that we should touch on before I let you get back to it? Wear a face mask. And what I mean by that is don't go buy one. I mean, make a fabric mask that we will go around your face. And if you have to go to the grocery store, wear it. Also, um, it, it'll probably scare you, but Contagion is on Netflix and you'll see all the different touch points. So a touch point is a surface that someone touched that you now touch. And as soon as you touch that and then touch your face, you are very likely to get the virus. So it is a scary movie, not from a horror standpoint, but from a reality standpoint now. And so if you can watch that, um, it'll scare you because it's re- it is a very real thing right now. Everything that's happening in that is currently happening in this, except it's not as deadly. So that virus is much deadlier than ours. So again, temper your a little bit, but take it just as seriously. If any surface you touch, assume it has the virus. Any person you meet, assume they have the virus. Protect yourself and make sure you're not giving out any virus as well. There are many asymptomatic spreaders. You could say, oh, I'm not sick. I don't need to wear a mask please wear a mask because you could very realistically be an asymptomatic spreader. The sooner we shut this down here, the fewer deaths we will have here. That is one of the things that I've seen over and over again is the relative to the number of deaths you have, the sooner you shut down a population group, again, not Oregon, like the Rogue Valley, as soon as you shut that down, you will have fewer deaths. All right. I would love to see only, I, I, uh, we're going to have deaths here. I, can pretty much just assure that's going to happen. If nothing in just Josephine County, um, it would be in the you know 300 to 500 plus, probably more over the next very short time period. We're talking months or less. If we do a lot, we could keep that. I mean, realistically, like dozens, if that, if we lock down hard. So that's the hope I want people to have. Hope because there's experts working to solve the supply chain issues and hope because there are places around the world that you look at Italy, Italy's logarithmic death curve is flattening because they've locked down very hard. The sooner you lock down, don't, if you wait to lock down until the virus is in every home, you've lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's different for each person. And obviously I I feel like the whole financial aspect of it is what's really holding this whole thing up. Of course. And And I get that. And 
you know, for us, we, I had to make the best decision for us. And even if it means losing financially, I mean, everyone's losing, everyone's in a similar position for the most part. I mean, some are really fortunate where they're not, but you know, what, what's more important, like being overly cautious for a while here. And I've actually had a chance to myself, you know, discover a lot of different things being locked down at my house that are actually positive. So it's not the worst thing. I know people are denying. I've had a great time with my kids. Yeah. So much fun. I mean, uh, before I started this group, I was, you know, reading fellowship of the rings on my porch on a sunny day, uh, watching my wife read a book. And I mean, that's one of the happiest memories of my life was just sitting there enjoying reading a book with my wife and my kids sitting on her lap. And, um, I, I mean, I got two kids and it's just, you can really enjoy quarantine if you turn off the news. Um, and I don't say turn off the news for ignorance sake, just, just know it's really bad out there. Like it's really bad. And so watching the news is just going to scare you and reinforce that. Like, why would you, the math points to it being really bad. But if we take this extremely seriously and lock down extremely tightly, we will save our community. Yeah. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. It's easier to do than most people think. Stay home, wear your mask, be cautious, be smart about it. Let the smart people wash your hands often. Be anytime you touch your face, you will have had to have washed your hands first. And then also, um, you know, when you take a shower, make sure to wash your hands first. Don't just go straight to rubbing your face, wash your hands, make sure your hands are clean. And there's also videos on washing hands. So make sure that you, you know, look up. It's, it's a 20 second process, not because you're just rubbing your palms together for 20 seconds, but because you're rubbing your palms together, then you're sticking your fingers together. Then you're going on top and rubbing the top of one hand. Then you're rubbing the top of the other hand. Then you're going around each thumb and then you're rubbing your wrist. Okay. So it's not just rubbing your palms together for 20 seconds. You need to make sure that you're getting everything on your hands totally clean. Brad, I really appreciate your time. I think there's a lot of good information here. You guys keep up the great work. You're doing amazing things already, and I feel like you're just getting started. So, you know, any support we can offer from any different angle, you let us know. Spread the word far and wide. Give the website one more time that's going to be up soon. Yeah, covidskunkworks.com, C-O-V-I-D-S-K-U-N-K-W-O-R-K-S.com. I should say skunkworks for anybody that doesn't know. If you've heard of the SR-71, it's truly one of the greatest planes ever built from an engineering standpoint. And the way it happened was the government largely got out of the way and the engineers just solved problems. And that's what you guys are doing right now. You're doing awesome work. Appreciate it, Brad. And uh, holler if you need anything and I'll let you get back to it. You know, well, thanks, buddy. Talk to you later. And there it is, episode 29 with Brad Converse. Uh, incredible podcast and uh, thankful to be a part of it. And please share the podcast. You can rate, subscribe, and review podcasts available on many different platforms, Apple, Android, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and garagetalkpodcast.com. Uh, appreciate you listening. And please share, 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 and spread the good word out there. And we'll talk to you again next time here on the Garage Talk Podcast with Jason Allen.